Yes, a football podcast. All right, guys, another edition of It's a Football Podcast with myself, Savadin, and my fellow NFL insider, Tyler Dragon with USA Today Sports Plus today. And, uh, I mean, there's no really other way for us to start here. Some really somber news happened over the weekend with the passing of Dwayne Haskins, the former Ohio State quarterback who also, um, you know, got his NFL career started with Washington and with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Really sad, tragic event that happened here Saturday here in South Florida. Haskins was in town. He's been training in South Florida for the last couple of years, Tyler, um, and was – you know, walking on I-595, which is a major, major South Florida roadway, um, you know, attempting to cross over and was hit by a dump truck and pronounced dead on the scene around, you know, between 6.30 and 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Um, Tyler, I just, you know, for me, man, and, and living in South Florida and, you know, going to practices and running into a lot of NFL players here in the area, and also not even that too, man. I mean, this kid was 24 years old, was going to turn 25 in May. Um, you know, I'm heartbroken and gutted by, by, you know, just the news of it. And, um, you know, just like a lot of people around the league, a lot of players, um, and a lot of fans too, you know, just, uh, really taken back by this asking news this week. Yeah. Really tragic, tragic news. And my condolences go out to his family, friends, and all his loved ones. You said it best. I mean, just 24 years old, about to turn 25 had his whole life pretty much ahead of him. I mean, yes, we can talk about everything on the field, but just off the field. I mean, he he was married. He had, you know, family, friends. And it's just a tragic story all the way around. And, you know, you just hate for somebody to lose their life in any type of circumstance. But just to get hit by a car on a freeway, that's, you know, a very tragic situation. So, again, my condolences out to his family, friends and all his loved ones. And, you know, I I hate to transition on the field, but, you know, I, I was hoping that he would be able to, you know, kind of, you know, um, turn around his football career on the field in in Pittsburgh, you know, things didn't really quite work out in Washington. And, you know, he had seemed to find a home in Pittsburgh. I know he was very involved in the community, um, had, you know, a good relationship with a lot of the fans. I believe he went to a fan event uh, recently uh, with uh, Pittsburgh fans. And, you know, it's just a terrible situation because, you know, I was hearing rumblings that, you know, he was could have uh, started in Pittsburgh uh, this season. There were members in the organization that really liked uh, his progress as a quarterback and um, said that, you know, he was developing, um, you know, quite fondly in in that organization. Mike Tomlin loved him and a lot of um, um, his teammates and members in the organization. So you just have the sense before this all uh, went down that, you know, he was revitalizing his um, playing career. And, you know, he did have an opportunity to, um, you know, see some snaps and possibly even start in Pittsburgh. So this was just an, you know, unfortunate accident, a tragic accident. And I just feel sorry for, you know, um, him and his family. Uh, so rest in peace for sure. Yeah, definitely, Tyler. You know, um, you know, he was in South Florida training with, you know, some Steelers teammates the day before he died. He was with Chase Claypool and Pat uh, Fryermuth and and a bunch of other Steelers players getting some work in at 
Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, not too far up the road here. Um, you know, this is an area in South Florida where I live, Tyler, where a lot of black guys, just like where you live in, in Arizona, man, a lot of guys like to come and spend their free time. Um, it's a great place to work out because of the weather. Um, it's a great place to hang out because of all the things that our cities offer, you know, these players. And um, that's why they come here and, and they come in bunches. You know, a lot of people do um, spend their off seasons in the NFL and, and, you know, the areas that we're from, especially Los Angeles as well, too. So, um, you know, when these guys are, are working here, training here, living here, going out to eat here, you know, trying to find a nice party to hang down and, and wind down a little bit. Um, you know, we want them to, you know, obviously do their best to get home responsibly and have fun responsibly. And, you know, so they can continue to, you know, make it to workouts and, and, and have their careers prosper. And, you know, I just felt so bad watching Chase Claypool's video reaction to, you know, what he did to, to, to the news. And, um, you know, just a tragic thing to hear Saturday morning when all of us woke up you know, quarterback died and, and, and it's not just a, you know, somebody it's, it's Dwayne Haskins, man. It's his, his smile was yeah. so radiant. Um, you know, he shine, you know, his smile lit up a room. I'll never forget, man. Uh, I mean, Ohio state, he torched everybody with 50 touchdowns that year <laughs> an incredible year by him. Um, you know, got slipped up in the draft, went 15 to Washington. And, you know, I, I, my favorite thing about Haskins career is remember that win that they had in Washington and, I think he was supposed to be on the field for the the kneel down and he was like on the sidelines kind of giving fans some love and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, can you believe this kid? He's just like over there. But he's just but like he was just so happy and so happy in the moment. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you're going to remember a kid who had a great smile. And unfortunately, it's a career that we don't know what would have amounted to him. You know, he could have been a starter, could have, you know, you know, won a Super Bowl. Who knows what could have happened to Dwayne Haskins if he was still alive. But, you know, rest in peace to him. And. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, the Steelers franchise and the people involved there, the quarterbacks involved there, including Mitch Trubisky with Ben Roethlisberger retiring, um, you know, the players that we mentioned that he's going to be working out, that he was working out with and stuff, you know, unfortunately, they're moving forward without him. Obviously, there's a mourning and a grieving process that, you know, everybody has to go through. So you just hope for the best and pray for the best for um, everybody involved in that situation. And also condolences to uh, Gary Brown, former uh, Dallas Cowboys running back coach who passed away um, over the week as well. He was in hospice uh, for a while. Um, I know um, uh, many people around the league knew uh, him well. Mm -hmm. Um, When I covered the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I met him multiple times. I used to coach uh, Ezekiel Elliott along with um, a number of running backs. I mean, we're around these players. We're around these coaches almost every day during the season. Uh, We build relationships off the field. These players, yes, we can critique them and their play on the field, but off the field, I mean, you're friends with players. I'm friends with players and coaches. So, you know, there's a human aspect of it that a lot of fans and people outside of the NFL don't realize. And we have to always be careful and cognizant of that. Yes, we can critique their performance on the field, but we shouldn't be so quick to talk about them and dehumanize them off the field. And I think there's a, a line that a lot of people cross too much and um we have to realize that sports at the end of the day is just a game and yes it's a game we all love and it's entertainment but when entertainment is over then that's when we should draw the line and not cut into you know somebody's livelihood and somebody's life i hate to get too deep on this podcast but that's you know 
I might be going off the no, rails a little no. bit, but that's just what I feel. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right. And, um, you know, I agree with you the same way. I think we, um, you know, there's a way that, you know, owners and executives maybe view players, and there's a way that players maybe view owners and executives, and then there's a way where fans view players and fans view owner and executive, and you'll see oftentimes fan will take the side of a team or a franchise that they love or – they're a fan of or a coach that they love or a fan of. But if a player's, you know, holding out for a contract, that player is selfish or this and that. And, you know, um, players are not um, they're not thought of as people sometimes in sports. They're thought of commod- as commodities, you know, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes you brought the entertainment part of it. A lot of people think, OK, these are just people here. Um, I purchased a ticket. I deserve some level of, um, you know, what I'm going to get in return for my ticket. Um, but also it's it's a form of entertainment too. And so it's hard to really draw those lines of balance. And, and, and that's why we hope as writers too, that, you know, we can tell some of these people's stories and humanize them a little bit. And remember that there's a face under the helmet, you know, there's a, there's a person under, under the uniform, there's a, a family behind them support, supporting them. Um, there's friends and people that care about this person a lot, you know, more than you care about them scoring a touchdown and, and more than you care about, um, you know, them getting a couple points for your fantasy team every week. You know, it's it's a real different, you know, uh, a kind of perspective that, you know, unfortunately things like, you know, this will hopefully improve or, you know, generally it might stay the same. But you're hoping to have some kind of light shed on the situation and how we look at these people as players and athletes in the sports community. All right. It is a football podcast after all. And we're going to bring you some uh, NFL insider takes from our Tyler Dragon. Tyler's works the phones, got the uh, got the inside scoop on some players here in the offseason, and I wanted to talk them up with you. Tyler has two phones. He's holding up two of his phones up out here. He's got a whole brick in his pocket when you go check all your phones, man. <laughs> the best part about two phones, though, Tyler, is the fact that when one is down to like 10%, you got the other one, man. You got the other yes. one. Yes, that is true. And then you're hoping, like, if some people you don't want to talk to, that phone's dead, perfect. They don't have to call you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, some people don't have a certain number, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's for a reason. It's by design. Right. Uh, But let's get into the segment, Um, Tyler. uh, Let's start off with Derwin James, uh, one of my favorite safeties in the NFL. I covered him at Florida State. Great kid. Great smile. Um, Happy to see him and his success. And he's trying to get a nice little bag for himself, Tyler. Uh, What's the latest with Derwin James and the Chargers situation? Yeah, um, I heard that the Chargers and Derwin James, they're cautiously optimistic. Those were the direct words I heard that a contract will get done, a long-term extension uh, for the Chargers' safety. He is entering uh, his fifth-year option year. This is the final year under uh, his contract. I believe he's going to be owed a little bit more than $9 million. But the uh, thinking is and the belief is with the franchise and Derwin James is that they'll get a long term deal done before the start of the regular season. The Chargers really, really like him. In fact, the Chargers coach Brandon Staley called him the Justin Herbert of their defense. So Mm -hmm. that is a high praise because you know what the Chargers uh, view about uh, Justin Herbert. And they believe that Derwin James is the captain, the leader and the best player on their defense and they want him in los angeles for the foreseeable future yeah listen man derwin james probably one of the best defenders i've ever seen play um in my young career yeah he's i think he's that good but you know the injuries in the last couple years are definitely um concerning for him Mm -hmm. and concerning for a team like the chargers 
trying to, um, you know, solidify their future and solidify their status in L.A. with, you know, the new pieces that they had this offseason as well and competing in the AFC West. Uh, let's go over to another uh, player, another star player in Los Angeles as well, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, what you got on o- OBJ, uh, Tyler? So I did hear that his uh, left knee it is recovering well from uh, his ACL tear uh, in the Super Bowl. This is the second time he tore his ACL, so they want to make sure that the rehabilitation process is uh, you know smooth and. Uh, thorough, so it does not happen for a third time with knock on wood for OBJ. Um, I did hear that he probably will not be ready for the start of the 2022 regular season, but that still has not detracted some of his suitors, and there is a possibility in the scenario that he could wind up back with the Los Angeles Rams, so keep an eye out on that. Uh, The Green Bay Packers could be uh, in the mix as well as some other team uh contending uh teams but the los angeles rams they're definitely still in the running to uh, resign him i would add the tampa bay bucks in that mix as well um but look man obj uh his career speaks for himself he's got a super bowl ring now he caught a touchdown in that super bowl tyler he got a touchdown in the super bowl who knows if the rams would have won if his touchdown didn't come early in that super bowl before he you know hurt his knee for the second time especially with that injury and that you know um for a player like him who you know, relies on torque and relies on his twitchiness as a receiver. Um, we'll see how, you know, close to, you know, his original self, he does come back the second time around. And um, honestly, man, if you have a guy like OBJ in your team, Tyler, I don't care if he's the first two months of the season. I need him for December and January. Right. And if I'm going to play a game in February, that's when I need him to be on I- my team. I don't think the Super Bowl would have been as close if Odell Beckham Jr. was on the field. The game really changed when he got hurt because the Bengals started, you know, bracketing uh, Cooper Cup. They were Mm -hmm. doubling, triple teaming him and putting all their focus on him. And there really was not another receiver in the game for the Rams that could separate uh, from coverage. Luckily, uh, for the Rams, say Cooper Cup and his heroics, I mean, <laughs> it proved to be just yeah. too good. They couldn't guard him anyway, and they just forced him the ball. But, you know, when Odell Beckham got hurt, you know, the Rams' offense really felt um, the effects from it. Let's get into some Bengals talk on the other side of that Super Bowl. Uh, Tyler, you have a, a Bengals update on Jesse Bates and uh, his contract situation in Cincinnati. So Jesse Bates proclaimed that he did not want to play under the franchise tag this year. The Bengals uh, placed him under the franchise tag anyways. Mm-hmm. He wants a long-term contract. Uh, they were negotiating prior uh, to uh, him being placed under the franchise tag, but now they have not talked at all. I'm hearing that no- those negotiations have stalled. And there's really no movement at all uh, with Jesse Bates, his representation, and the Bengals. And the uh, likelihood is that he uh, will play under this year and under the franchise tag begrudgingly because he does not want that at all. So it's kind of bad news for uh, Jesse Bates uh, and the Bengals because he's one of the better safeties in the NFL. He wants to be in Cincinnati for the long haul, but. If they place him under the franchise tag and he plays this season under that distinction, uh, I believe this is going to be his last year in Cincinnati because he wants that stability um, of a long-term deal, and he's not getting that right now in Cincinnati. 
look, who doesn't want that? And when I when I uh, look back at Jesse Bates, you know, obviously him and uh, I believe DJ Reed had that, uh, you know, interception on Pat Mahomes in overtime of uh, that playoff game that got the Bengals to the Super Bowl. That's plays like that. That's why you pay players. All right. Um, and I'm not sure what the Bengals are doing here. Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, all on rookie deals. At least pay your best defender. Um, so uh, hopefully the Bengals come to some solution with Jesse Bates. Like you mentioned, one of the better safeties in the league for sure. Um, and really instrumental to the Bengals' defense and to the Super Bowl run they had last year. Um, let's move it on over to Arizona, Tyler, and the quarterback who's made a lot of noise this offseason, Kyler Murray. Um, deleting Instagram posts. I guess that's the new way, the new wave, <laughs> you know, of voicing your displeasure. But um, Kyler Murray's fifth-year option is up on the table, and I think the Cardinals, well, he would like to get a new contract, but uh seems like he's getting a little pushback from the Cardinals. Right, Tyler? Yeah, this situation is something to keep an eye on because Kyler Murray's agent, Eric Burkhart, represents not only uh, the quarterback, but also Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he got Cliff Kingsbury uh, a long-term deal through the 2027 season, but his quarterback is still like, okay, well, what's up with me? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I don't think Kyler Murray is going to hold out of the offseason program and training camp if there's not a long-term deal that's finalized. But it's a situation to monitor because he is unhappy. He did uh, state that uh, via his agent. And, you know, his agent wants a long-term deal done, and he wants the, uh, the quarter, quarterback to be amongst the highest-paid players uh, in the National Football League. Now, the Cardinals, uh, they're probably going to um, place him under that uh, fifth-year option. The deadline is uh, May 2nd. I mean, he's done wonders with that franchise. He's really revitalized the franchise, so the Cardinals will be foolish not to. But on uh, his side, he wants a long-term deal because he wants to be a Cardinal for the long call. And he did reaffirm that he wants to stay in Arizona. He just wants to be in Arizona with the Cardinals in the right circumstance. And that is under a long-term contract. So all these players, they just want to get paid. They just want Listen, to get paid. Don't we all, Tyler? Don't <laughs> we all? Well, I said, look, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury got a new deal. I believe the GM has a new deal too, Steve. Uh, yes. Kime, right? Steve Kahn, yep. And so – um. <laughs> And so uh, these guys are not going to be in Arizona if Kyler Murray ain't there, Tyler. I mean, I think that's played it simple. Uh, they, you know, Steve Kime drafted Josh Rosen first, ditched him after a year. Cliff Kingsbury came in and they drafted Kyler Murray together. This has been the most successful run for the Cardinals franchise in a long time um, compared to, you know, when they had Kurt Warner and, and Larry Fitzgerald and those guys. So um, this is the new way for them. It's just a matter of how much money are the Cardinals going to pony up for Kyler Murray because – I can see him playing this last season under that, you know, the fourth year of his deal. And then they maybe negotiate at the end of this year, maybe. Um, but I don't know if the Cardinals are really, I don't, I don't know what's the right move here when you're a quarterback in search of money in a team, knowing that you're going to have to pay some guys, especially when Patrick Mahomes just got $500 million overall. Um, Deshaun Watson just got $230 million all guaranteed, right? Um, a, bu a bunch of guys are up in the $40 million stratosphere. Um, Aaron Rodgers is making 50 mil. Deshaun Watson is going to be making 46 mil. Patrick Mahomes at 45. Josh Allen's at 43. Dak and Matt Stafford at 40. And then comes Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson at 35 each. So how much are you willing to pay Kyler Murray? And if you pay him 
um, you know, a contract now, how much are you going to give him? Up? You know, you're going to have to give him a lot of money up front. You're going to have to keep that cap number low for at least one or two years. It's a huge ongoing thing. So you can make sure you keep having a lot of players coming into your system. If, if, you're, if you're the Cardinals, um, they also just lost Chandler Jones, too. So they're a little weaker on that part. They still need another receiver. They uh, lost their running back, Chase Edmonds, this, this offseason, too. So a lot of holes to fill. And uh, Kyler Murray definitely needs a big bag from them as well if, if he's going to continue in Arizona. So I hope the Arizona Cardinals are going to listen to what I'm going to say right here because I'm going to give them some recent history. When Tampa Bay hosted the Super Bowl, they went all in. And they ended up being in the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. okay, When the L.A. Rams had the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium, when they were the host city, Uh they went all in. They said... Von uh, traded for Von Miller, got uh-huh. Odell Beckham Jr. They said, and lo what? and behold, mm-hmm. they played in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. So, if my memory serves me correctly, Sapa, uh-huh. the Super Bowl in February okay. is in State Farm Stadium. Who where who plays there? I think it's um I think it might be around Phoenix, uh, Arizona, Tyler. Oh yes, yes. The Cardinals play there. Oh okay. um, so. their their off season it isn't looking like the the Rams or, or the Bucks. They're not operating under that, that same, you know, premise. They're they're not having that, that same aggressiveness as the Bucks did. No. Or the Rams. Now, are they going to break the trend? It's looking like they're going to break the trend because the last two uh, teams that <laughs> the whole the cities, <laughs> they <laughs> they played in the Super Bowl. Now, yeah. the, the Cardinals, they have they can three for three. Are you going to uh, have mm-hmm. this trend continue? It's yeah, not looking like it. And are you going to break the streak? Now, keep in mind that you know, the Rams are in the same division. So, I mean, you have one team in your division that just won the Super Bowl. What, what are you going to do about it? Does that not motivate you? Does it not motivate you that the last two teams that won the Super Bowl played in their home stadium? Does oh, it none of it. Now, the Cardinals, they have lost more talent than they have gained. Yes. They lost Christian Kirk to a mega contract. I mean, mm-hmm. props to Christian Kirk for taking that money. <laughs> but Chase Edmonds, that was he's a very uh, good running back that they lost. Chandler Jones, arguably their best defensive player, they lost him. Uh, they still player. haven't uh, signed a number two receiver to go with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Zach Ertz, okay, yes, he's a little long in the tooth at tight end. He's coming back, but what what are you going to do at you know the running back position? Uh, behind uh, James Conner, what are you going to do at the other skill position, number two, number three receiver? And then uh, on defense, who's going to rush the passer? Who's going to play cornerback? I mean, right now it's Buda Baker and a bunch of uh, Tito Jacksons. So <laughs> <laughs> Cardinals, oh, Cardinals, oh. Cardinals, what are you doing? Oh, what are you doing? Man. What I are just, you doing? I would just like the Arizona Cardinals to know that I had no uh, – no part in this conversation here. I was. Uh, I'm just saying. Any, any reaction or uh, laugh that you may have heard from me is for something I thought about just now about something else. 
uh, last week. You know, what I'm it had nothing to do with what Tyler just said about y'all just now. But man, Tyler, you came for the Arizona Cardinals head I'm just, just now, saying, man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, you just look wow. at recent history: the Bucks, the Rams. They mm-hmm. played in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. It's, it's happened the last two straight years. Now, could it happen a third straight year? Stop it. Is your money of the Cardinals playing in the Super Bowl? Are you putting your money? I'm not. <laughs> it's my money. You want me to make money on my money? Hold up. Tyler, let me say something in defense of the poor Cardinals here who you're railing on here. Uh, there's a reason why. There were 50-plus Super Bowls and none won by the host city, all right? Of course. It's a really difficult thing to do. The NFL picks the cities in some kind of random order. I don't want to say it's a random order, but, um, yeah, most often teams that are hosting Super Bowls, cities that are hosting Super Bowls, are not the teams playing in them. And Tampa and the Los Angeles Rams just so happen to buck the trend. Um, It's a really high standard to hold Arizona Cardinals on, Tyler. It is, but really did they not? Did they not put themselves in the best position possible to play in that game prior to the season and even during the season by making moves, mm-hmm. making roster decisions? I mean, the Bucks loaded up. The Rams f them picks. They loaded yeah. up too. Well, look, there's reasons. There are reasons. The, the, the Cardinals. I, I don't see that same yeah. aggressiveness. Of course, because of their, there's you know the things behind it. The Bucks and Rams didn't load up because they're hosting the Super Bowl. The Bucks loaded up because Tom Brady came out of left New England for them, and the Rams loaded up because they just got Matt Stafford and they realized this was the time to take advantage of the guys that we have on defense: Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. And Cooper Cup on offense as well. So Arizona's in a different wavelength in terms of franchises and growth and things like that. They just played their first playoff game last year under Kyler Murray, under Cliffs Kingsbury, and it did not go well. Kyler Murray choked in that game. (laughs) Kyler Murray choked in that game. The Cardinals lost many games at the end of that season. You tell me that streak. What was the losing streak that they had in the last season? Like six or seven or something like that? Like they really fell flat after having the best record in the league last year. The Cardinals are in a different place, like you said. Not getting Channel Jones back. They still need a number two receiver. Need a second running back. Need somebody to, you know, rush the passer. Um, and it's really going to all hang on Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray, you want 40 mil a year, you better produce like a 40 mil a year quarterback. And I think this is a real big prove a year for Kyler Murray. Not to say that he has to prove anything besides the talent. I think it's great. But leadership and not, you know, showing. The last time we saw Kyler Murray on the field um, was, uh, you know, not his best performance. And so it's up to him to, you know, really show that he is a quarterback of his stature, of his elevation, and um, prove that he can actually carry the Cardinals on his own. And all all that is true. Uh, The thing that also concerns me with the Cardinals, they were an entirely different team without DeAndre Hopkins when he was hurt. And now this is the time to get a number two receiver. This is the time you just saw evidence that we're not the same team. We're not that good without DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe we should get some more talent in the building. So if DeAndre Hopkins goes down to injury, we have a really good second option that can help carry us. Uh, Safi, are you going to try out for the team? I think you might be better off at receiver than I would be. But I'll tell you another thing too. Um, I will definitely help get you there. We can. Uh, I can talk to Steve Kahn to you about getting your contract situated. Hey, we'll okay. get you about 
I'm trying to get you about forty to fifty mil guaranteed. I don't know if you're oh. in that. I don't know if you're in that Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams conversation, but I'll take forty to fifty mil. I'll take a cut I'll out of that. I'll take forty time. to fifty mil. I will take forty <laughs> to fifty mil. I will play receiver. Mm-hmm. I will play tight end, fullback. I'll play left bench. Left bench. I'll play left bench. Oh, you could have been playing left bench for the Lakers all year, Tyler. <laughs> Shit, that's a whole different. Yo, I can miss shots like Westbrook and turn the ball over $45 million a year. I can do exactly what, what Russell Westbrook did. <laughs> miss shots, but, but turn over the ball for $45 million. I can do that for half. Your role is defined, <laughs> though. Your role is defined, you know? He's not supposed to be doing that. And we got some major NFL news surrounding the Washington Commanders um, just coming as we're recording the podcast. But um, the Washington Commanders might have engaged in some unlawful financial conduct. Um, the House Oversight Committee announced Tuesday it has reason to believe Washington engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct, including withholding or concealing tech ticket revenue and related funds. Um, and this is something that, you know, this is a part of the NFL's review, uh, revenue, excuse me, sharing agreement. And if Washington's holding back money, approximately $5 million, according to this report, um, that's obviously not a good look for the league there, Tyler. If a lot of, you know, other teams, 32 other teams are like, our pocket's a little short every kind of year coming on out now. now. So uh, what, what's your first take on this uh, news, Tyler? My first take is it's always something with Dan Snyder and the now Washington commanders, Uh, not to mention they are under investigation for workplace misconduct still. And uh, Roger Goodell said at his um, Super Bowl press conference that uh, Dan Snyder is no longer uh, in day-to-day operations. Uh, with the franchise. Uh, He does not go to the uh, team facility. Um, You know, it's come to a point, and I think we all know the end result of all this, is I think Daniel Snyder is going to have to give up the team uh, sooner rather than later because uh, it's just news always coming out of this franchise involving uh, you know, senior level management that is uh, damaging to the NFL, to their brand, and uh, to the franchise itself. And I believe that they need to clean house um, sooner rather than later because, you know, it's just, it's one thing to, you know, withhold $5 million and, you know, season ticket uh, that's owed to season ticket holders and then hiding money that's supposed to be shared to, you know, NFL owners. But then you have, you know, the sexual, you know, al- misconduct allegations, um, multiple members in the, um, you know, that worked in the franchise are alleging this type of behavior and this type of environment that was uh, around the franchise. Even journalists that uh, covered the team have, you know, made allegations. So, you know, it's it just puts a black stain not only on the Washington commanders and that organization, but also the NFL as a whole. And the best thing to do, I think, once all the dust settles is 
Daniel Snyder has to sell the team. And I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate because he'll be a winner too, because he's going to get all that money when he sells uh, the team. It's kind of like that Donald Sterling, you know, situation, whole different situation. But yes. I mean, he got over a billion dollars <laughs> for selling the team. But I do think, you know, when it's all said and done, it, it's time for just a new environment and a new face, a new yeah. person to run that organization. Because it's just too much coming out of that organization that yeah. is just damaging to all the NFL. Another detail here, you know, Washington, according to this report, um, evidence was obtained that the team might have underreported some of its ticket revenue, a portion of which should have been pooled with NFL other other NFL teams as part of the league's revenue sharing agreement. And they also uh, found that uh, the team might have intentionally withheld about approximately $5 million in refundable ticket deposits that's owed to fans and corporations. Um, House of Representative Carolyn Maloney from New York said, um, the, new, the new information suggests that in addition to fostering a hostile workplace culture, uh, Mr. Snyder also may have cheated the team's fans and the NFL. Um, and she also said that we must have accountability. Um, you know, the hard part for me here, Tyler, is that we have this conversation all the time about everything that happens in Washington because a lot of things happen in Washington. It's literally, uh, you know, Tyler, you're not the only one that said it as well. I, other people have said to me too, as well that there's always something going on about the Washington football team. Um, you know, it's just every time something does come up, we do talk about Dan Snyder and his leadership and the things that he's done and why he still has a team. And it's dumbfounding, to be honest. But um, I'm, I'm really waiting to see if anybody – if anybody is going to actually, um, you know, force this guy out and force him to sell because, you know, we haven't seen that in NFL teams recently. Um, you know, the owners, more so than they really, I don't want to say look out for themselves, but I think the owners really kind of look out for themselves. And when you're trying to get a group of owners together to decide to vote somebody out amongst the owners, you know, that's not a good look because these are 32 people who, you know, don't really may not be the best of friends all the way around. Some are closer than others. Yes, but they all do business together and they all make money together and they all share their money that they make too. And so when teams are out there, you know, sharing revenue, especially the teams that are making really good money, sharing with teams that are not making good money too, you know, a lot of those teams end up, you know, either voting a certain way or not voting a certain way. You're kind of turning a blind eye to a bunch of things that you may see, um, you know, as NFL conducts business. So, um, is Dan Snyder finally going to get the can from somebody? I'm not sure. I don't know. Some of the other things that they've dealt with in Washington, and he still hasn't been gone yet. I'm not sure if change is going to come in Washington, but we can always continue to hope. That music means it is time for another edition of our Insiders Trivia. Now, I haven't been keeping score because I consider the first two rounds preseason, but I do think that Safed is in the lead. Last week, Tyler won the overall trivia by getting a single question right. Now, there were some complaints that my trivia was a little bit outdated. So this week... Yes, yes it was. <laughs> I am going with the USFL, which kicks off its season for the first time in 37 years this weekend, Saturday, April 16th with a primetime matchup on Fox between the New Jersey Generals and the Birmingham Stallions. Hold on, so, we're going to get football back this weekend? 
There's going to be football this weekend. There's going to be spring USFL football this weekend. And to celebrate, we have a fun quiz for you guys. Very excited. Last week, Safa went first. So this week, Tyler, you get the first question. I don't want to hear any complaints because I made it multiple choice and true False. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> this is my style right Perfect. here. Perfect. Perfect. No more open-ended so, guesses. So let's go with the first question. The reboot of the league promises to be exciting and high-powered offense. So which of these is not part of the revamp to USFL football? Mm. LED goalposts, virtual first down markers, three options for scoring an extra point, or glowing footballs. Which one of these is not part of the new league? I'm going to go with D, glowing footballs. There will actually be glowing footballs in this iteration of the league. It's an experimentation that ex-Dallas Cowboys fullback turned executive vice president of operations for the USL, USFL. Daniel Johnston said that they're bringing back. This is something that the network tried to do with hockey in the 90s with a glowing puck um mm. and they'll try to do it again the other two um or rules or additions that will be in this iteration include three ways to score an extra point this is supposed to bring a little bit more excitement to it and then of course the virtual first down markers that will use a chip inside the football to decide if you've made a first down or not so like those it was rules. A. So it was A that was correct. There are no LED goalposts. So I think those would be cool, and I should get in touch with them and make a little chunk of change from this exciting link. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm excited about the uh, the going footballs. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited about the extra points. You know, honestly, Tyler, these kind of leagues are the ones where uh, the competition committee, the NFL, are looking at, and they're like, okay, could we do this? Could we do that? Is this better for our overtime rules that we just changed again and again because the Bills can't play defense? Oh, wait. I said that out loud? I thought you were going to say these are the type of leagues that fold within two years, which is true, (laughs) too. Tyler, (laughs) come on. We show a lot to the USFL here. We got to find teams and stuff. We're celebrating the start. Let's go. We're celebrating the start. Question number two. So question number two goes to Safed. The original version of the USFL was largely a success. Along with implementing several innovations, the original USFL produced several prominent NFL figures. Which of the following is a product of the original USFL? This is a tough one. Joe Montana, Reggie White, Ronnie Lott, or Dan Marino? Which one of these is a part of the original USFL? Correct. Which one? Got it. All right. So I don't think it's Dan because the school then came to Miami. Um, His eyes are searching all over. Yeah. Can you not search? I will not search. Give me the choice. I don't think it's Ronnie Lott either. Is Reggie White that old? Just pick Dan Marino, man. It wasn't him. That's your boy. I know. Is it John Montana? I'm going to go John Montana. After his college football career, Reggie White was chosen by the Memphis Showboats in the 1984 USFL Territorial Draft. He played for Memphis for two seasons, started 36 games, racked 23 and a half sacks, one safety, and one forced fumble recovery for a touchdown before the league folded, and he joined Philadelphia. 
You know what's crazy? It's like literally on the second graph of Wikipedia, Reggie Watson. <laughs> I, I completely messed it up. Look, know? see, I told Humble you he's back. looking up. He's looking up the answers. <laughs> Question number <All> three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looked up the answers, still got it wrong. So I guess he can use whatever method he wants. Question I fe- three. I feel like Safa should get ten seconds. Ten seconds. Yeah, because he's. We're, we're doing a shot answer. clock here. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Ten seconds with my camera off, so you guys can't see my eyes wandering. <laughs> All right, let's move on to question three. Tyler, true or false? When the USFL conducted their player draft to fill out the thirty-eight man roster, a former Kansas City Chief member was the first overall selection. I'm just gonna go out on the limb and pick true. Player is Shay Patterson. He played two seasons at Old Miss before transferring to Michigan for the 2018 season. He participated in the 2020 Senior Bowl, but he was signed after going undrafted for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was later waived and was then selected for the USFL draft. He also played a couple of seasons in Canada. When in doubt, I'm going to pick the Chiefs again. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Producer Emily set you up for this. This is crazy. Of course she gave you the Chiefs question. Hey, um, when uh, Emily, when Safa goes, have, make sure his hands are seen on the camera. Let's yes. go. Let's go here. You guys ready? All right. Let's go. No All right. Wandering. Let's go. Let's go. Question number four. Safa, <laughs> which is not a USFL team? Where Ooh, does this I go? I like this. I like this one. Good. That yeah. is so wait, wait, is this a new team or an old team? We are talking the current league that kicks off this weekend. All right, let's go. On. Which let's is not a USFL team. Mm-hmm. New Jersey Generals, Pittsburgh Maulers, Houston Gamblers, Memphis Maniacs. Ooh. All right, my first hunch tells me Memphis, but I'm very confident the Gamblers are a team. Very confident the Generals are a team. You know what? I don't like the Maulers. Yeah, get Pittsburgh out of here. I think that's the wrong one. I was right the first time. You were right the first time. You should have gone with your hunch. The USFL will be split into two divisions, the North and South divisions. You've got in the North division, the Michigan Panthers, New Jersey Generals, Philadelphia Stars, and the Pittsburgh Maulers. In the South division, you've got Birmingham Stallions, Houston Gamblers, New Orleans Breakers, and Tampa Bay Bandits. TB Bandits, TB Bandits. I think that might have to be on my squad, Tyler. We're going to have to pick teams here. So we bring the final question to Tyler. So true or false, there is one former NFL coach, Jeff Fisher, leading a USF, USFL team this season. That is false. No, Tyler is true. No, Tyler is correct. What? is going to be a head coach. He'll be the general manager and head coach of the Michigan Panthers. There is also another former NFL coach, Todd Haley, who is the head coach and general managers of the Tampa Bay Bandits. Got a little tricky there. Trick myself. Mm, But Tyler takes it home with 2-0. Automatically win. You're going to be USFL ready. You're going to have a tailgate Saturday. You're going to be checking out uh, Philly Baltimore. Absolutely not. I'll be watching NBA playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, USFL. You picked the what bad What time do the Lakers play? Oh! 
Oh, 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 oh. oh, producer Evelyn off the top rope. Wow. Oh, man. The Lakers are in uh, Cancun right now. They're yeah. In, you know, they're Dubai. Mm-hmm. They're in some vacation. They're yeah. In, you know, Cabo. Greece. Tulum. Yeah, Tulum. Paris. The Caribbean. Paris. Mm-hmm. Jamaica. Everywhere but... Uh, Home for the playoffs. Right mm. yeah. I try to tell you they weren't going to make it, Tyler. You didn't hear me, though. How are we done with this podcast? How are you going to be able to survive this thing and producer Emily's uh, Lakers hunch to you just now? you be okay? Um, I'm going to probably have to go drink some Hennessy. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. Uh, I've been Sabah Dean, joined by Tyler Dragon. We are NFL Insiders. Join by Emily Olson, a.k.a. our producer, Emily. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. If you haven't already, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. We want you to fan harder with USA Today Sports Plus. Thanks for tuning in. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder.